Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal, editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. You've probably noticed during this COVID-19 pandemic that people are spending a lot more time enjoying parks, public green spaces, and just the great outdoors, whether walking, jogging, hosting socially distant backyard gatherings, or riding bikes. Indeed, when the pandemic hit earlier this year, those of us in South Louisiana were just beginning to enjoy the best of a lovely, cool spring. And based on anecdotal observation and hard data about bike sales, a lot of us took to doing it on two wheels, perhaps for the first time since childhood. Joining me to discuss this is Dustin LaFont, director of Front Yard Bikes, a nonprofit organization based here in Baton Rouge that focuses on teaching kids from underserved communities how to work on and build their own bicycles. Dustin founded the organization in late 2010, and in the years since, the Community Bicycle Center has enabled hundreds of children to receive free bikes in return for putting in a little work or their own sweat equity. Dustin runs the center out of the Tara Street Park. He also owns a retail shop, Mid-City Bikes, which has a large selection of new and used bikes, as well as accessories and bike parts for the DIY biker. Dustin is a graduate of LSU who also holds a master's degree in education. He spent a few years teaching middle school before launching this very worthwhile venture. Dustin, it's a pleasure to have you here via Zoom. Thanks so much for joining us on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Joining me and Dustin is Matt Chambers, who also works with bikes, not bicycles. We're talking high-end, custom-designed electric motorcycles. Matt is the owner of Curtis Motorcycles, which you may remember as Confederate Motorcycles, as it was called when Matt founded it here in Baton Rouge nearly 30 years ago. In the years since, he moved the company to New Orleans, then after Hurricane Katrina to Birmingham and not only changed the name, but also the focus of the company, from one that manufactures hot rod motorcycles to a manufacturer of electric motorcycles, or what the company describes as sustainable, desirable, intergenerational, mean, clean, green motorcycles. Matt started out like so many, getting a business degree from LSU in the 1970s, then a law degree. He practiced law for more than a decade, then found his passion. And Matt, you're just, it's a fascinating story, a fascinating fascinating company, the whole evolution of it. We can't wait to, to catch up with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thank you. Dustin, I want to start with you because Front Yard Bikes is, is such a great concept and it's been so really well received here in the community, helped so many kids. Where did the idea come from? Well, I can confess it wasn't an idea that came off the top of my head. Uh, we simply were working in community gardens in Baton Rouge, which we're, we're well known for doing a lot of community gardens all over our, our great city. And I had a kid who asked me if I could help him fix his bike. And being a bike enthusiast, I had my own toolbox and said, sure, come, come to the front yard of my house. I'll give you a hand. 
Well, that led to a long line of kids coming to the front yard of my house until we realized uh, this was a great desire amongst young people and uh, we better do it due, due diligence and do a great job with making a bike shop for our kids. That is so great. So I suppose this is where the name came from since it, since it was sort of evolved in your front yard. Oh, absolutely. It wasn't really a name we selected as much as it picked us. As people said, I'll oh, go to that guy's front yard if your bike is broken and we can tune it up. And being a naive uh, LSU college kid, you don't know better about, you know, insurance and uh, all the red tape you need to do to have a real business. So it was a step-by-step process. It was a step-by-step to become a nonprofit and to uh, really develop to where we are, where we've seen, you know, thousands of amazing, amazing young people in Baton Rouge. And and so while, and I want to get into the, the nonprofit in a minute, but so while you've got the nonprofit organization with this board and, you know, raising money and helping kids, you also in 2018 bought a bike shop. And I suppose there's some synergy there, right? With with the Mid-City Bicycle. Absolutely. I'm sitting at the Mid-City shop today and we are so busy and so active with all the used and new bikes we've been working through to really meet the demand and needs of everybody who wants to get out in recreation. But that was a great process for us getting bikes that were more adult size and not kid sizes and didn't know what to do with them except to help fundraise for the nonprofit and really provide jobs. We had a lot of young kids getting old, getting, they're no, they're no longer kids, they're, they're young adults and they need jobs. So how do we do that except to make our own business and hire from within and keep this amazing talent uh, with us in our organization? Fantastic. Well, Matt, your business is such an incredible story. And, and I mean, when you look at pictures and read about your, your bikes, your motorbikes on, on the internet and, and in publications, you, you've just gotten tremendous press around the country for just these beautiful creations that are now electric and sustainable. Tell us about the evolution of your company, which started here in Baton Rouge. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we used to be on Christian Street, uh, where we founded the company. And we, we had this original dream of, of uh, bringing this artisanal spirit to the, to the Big V Twin, which Glenn Curtis, the founder, the original founder of Curtis, had invented uh, uh, and uh, is generally perceived to be the most desirable, the, the, the sexiest form of, of motivating a motorcycle. But, you know, after about 25 years, it occurred to me, you know, we'd, we'd always prided ourselves in being first principle originalist thinkers, but I, I, I began and, and our team began to realize that we were in a rabbit hole, man, that, that, that the, the new technology of electrification would allow us to condense the power and make it so much more efficient. In terms of NVH, we could remove the noise, the, all the vibration, all the harshness. We could build a motorcycle around a, a, what we call a centered power axis on the Curtis design, which we have a patent on, that really optimizes the centering of the bike, the, the, the weight of the bike. I mean, for us, it's always been about no compromise, so the bikes are extremely expensive. But the, but the, the, the dream now is by creating these few customers annually, their dream bike, that we can really bring a sense of romantic spirit and, and sensuality to motoring for both men and women. About a quarter of our new buyers are have, don't know how to shift a motorcycle. So, I mean, if you can snow ski, you can ride this thing and it's super easy and, and, and uh, effortless, but smooth. So when, 
When did you all, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. When did you all make the shift to the electric motorcycles? We actually started, it was, it was over five years ago in R and D, but we, the company, we reformed the company and uh, on February 20th of 218. So we're in pre-revenue now and we, we, we dispensed with all of our, what would have been stranded assets anyway. So we're completely out of the other IC to IC business. And, uh, and we learned a lot from that, but uh, and, and all, but all of that now goes into Curtis, which is a which is a handmade a Curtis handmade motorcycle that essentially comes from this innovative, design driven, no compromise, uh, highest level spirit. So uh, the the Glenn Curtis, for those uh, in the audience that wouldn't know, he he was he was the greatest motorcyclist ever. He had the speed record for the world set in 1907. He invented naval aircraft in the United States. He's quite a quite a great person. Well, I want to I want to ask you about the the market for EV motorcycles. Um, but before I do, Dustin, I want to bring you back into the conversation. T tell us about the market for for bicycles right now, because you alluded to that a few minutes ago. And I mean, I know that the pandemic has produced this very positive and unforeseen you know side effect of of creating this booming demand for for bicycles. It was uh, bizarre to see just the number of people lined up to get every bike we had left from those that bikes that work were being bought to bikes that didn't work at all and needed to be fixed were being bought before they were even ready to go. Um, and after we sold everything we could, we then saw that there was a demand for repairs where our repair floor of, you know, usually 25 bikes at a time launched into, you know, almost 150 bikes were showing up to be fixed because there was no bikes left to buy. And then all the inventory of repair parts disappeared from the shelves across the country. So you went from saying, I could fix your bike through, I can't even get an inner tube or a, a brake line for you anymore because they're all gone from all over the country fixing and repairing. So this bizarre demand that just was amazing for people who needed that mental health of getting outside, getting away from the indoors and getting away from large crowds to getting into beautiful outdoors is is just something that's been, while wonderful, also challenging to be creative um, of how can we can create solutions. And uh, at the same time, Front Your Bikes was trying to give a lot of bikes away for free to people who were challenged with transportation. So trying to stay with that demand um, of helping those who needed their bike for transportation was, uh, was very challenging. Um, but also, it was also amazing for the change in culture, though, in this city, which I think we should definitely... Uh, talk about at some point of what's going on in Baton Rouge and how we're treating riders and treating infrastructure. It's no longer a cars versus bike. No question. Matt, I, I don't know if, if the pandemic has had the same effect on, on your market. I would imagine though you have a, a very specialized niche market. Who who are the riders of your bikes? And and you said that they're very, very expensive. What does that mean? Well they're they're gonna be somewhere between seventy eight and ninety thousand. So it's a it's a it's That's an expensive, expensive motorcycle. <laughs> uh, the buyer is typically a 10 millionaire plus, so he's he's a he or she is very accomplished. We've done very well in LA, so we the the most of our sales are coming in that Southern California market right now, and then we will migrate up to Silicon Valley and then spread throughout the United States. But we we feel we feel uh, you know internally we feel that that luxury does love electrification that the 
that the technology that's involved is something that at, at first is, I mean, if you think of what's going on inside of the Curtis One, it's a, the motor is a $10,000 piece of art itself. It's quite fantastic because it's like a stack of pancakes and will make 217 horsepower. So, I mean, you can pick it up in your hand and the whole motorcycle can fit. I have a station wagon. I can put like three Curtis One motorcycles in the back of my wagon and drive them around. Oh, you're kidding. I mean, it, it's so, it's so, it's, it's a, it's so much better than ICE and it really, gives one pause to imagine why we spent 110 years, 120 years making these others. You say ICE, uh, Matt, for, yeah, for those I, of us, internal uh, combustion I, engine, it, right. Internal, I'm sorry. Internal combustion engine motor, motoring, it, it's it's so complex, has so many moving parts. The, the one is is so simple, it, don't, it just has just the shaft that, that moves. And I, I guess I would probably, for the listeners say that that the one would be like a very fine high quality high fidelity system where you might have you know some folks might have like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar system for in their home or something like that so it's just taking electrification and blowing it out to its most power dense and most reliable and longest life we we, we have this fantasy of a bike that would last forever we've had this fantasy for a long time and and I, I think we may have hit on that. You would have to change your battery maybe every 10 years, but the actual piece that, you, that we could build for you, you could, in a, in a hundred, 500, I don't know why it would never work because it's, it's kind of like the ceiling fan and, you know, that you see in the 150 year old French quarter uh, watering hole, you know, it's, it's, it's still there. It's going to get, it'll, it'll, it'll keep spinning. Kind of like a bicycle, just sort of basic, right? Um, <laughs> kind of like exactly, and I, you know, I love what I'm hearing about this bicycle. I think, I think, that particularly the part about helping kids to learn how to work on them. I think that that kind of artisanal flavor for for for, for younger kids, I think, is a great thing to be doing. I'm very pleased to hear about this. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Matt Chambers of Curtis Motorcycles and Dustin Lafont of Front Yard Bikes. Dustin, how many kids have y'all helped um, through Front Yard Bikes? When we started charting uh, our students with participation forums and, and getting numbers, we, we know that we surpassed uh, 1,000 kids about uh, two years ago. Um, it's been difficult because a lot of our kids move from uh, sometimes community to community and neighborhood to neighborhood, but we have now estimated that we've gone past 1,500 kids total in our history. Um, and we have special relationships where some kids are coming, they're going to, it's like a build a bear workshop. I'm going to build a bike. This is, this is going to be, looks like me, feels like me. It's fun. Like me, my colors, my style. And then some kids, they are living to build and build and build. And they love, they love the design. They love the creativity. As soon as they're done with the project, they got to get another one. And, uh, that's who comes and works at mid city, the, the guys who, and girls who love to build. And, and are all of the, the bikes and components that they end up assembling and, and riding off with, I mean, that's all donated. It comes from stuff that you come across in your, in your shop and then are able to put to use with the nonprofit or y'all raise grant the money. The Baton Rouge and surrounding community donates bikes like nobody. I'm telling you, they'll, they'll bring any of their older bikes. They'll bring sometimes vintage 1930s bikes that, you know, have uh, old business names from Baton Rouge on them. Um, so we see bikes donated in large quantities through different 
families and friends and uh, just sometimes trash pickups where people just pick them up and bring them down. Or uh, we've had bikes travel from New Orleans to us because someone heard about us or somebody heard from, you know, Plaquemine or Lafayette. So a lot of them all come donate and then we just assemble from used bikes to different parts we can. Uh, we try to buy as least as possible for our, our, our youth programming so we can learn how to recycle as much as we can. Um, but in our business, we obviously have to buy a lot of inventory to get new and better components because things get better all the time. When I'm hearing about uh, Matt Chambers' business, is crazy that they have these bikes that are just, they sound like they're magical. Uh, so to hear about where we are with these new parts and pieces, we want to keep our bikes as up to date as possible. That's great. Matt, speaking of your bikes, how many do you, how many do you plan to sell a year or, or are you selling a year and, and who's actually, where are they being made? Is it here in the United States? Is We're it over in Leeds, Alabama. We have a small shop here. We have a capacity to make 300 units annually. We're going to build 80 bikes in 2021. So we're going to begin at 80. I believe we'll get to 200 in the second year. And we're looking at somewhere between 500 and 600 in the third year. Uh, the 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 thing the, the thing that's so that that is giving us such a, a confidence in the market is the fact that new people are coming in that have not that don't know how to shift a motorcycle that that, that so many of our clients have not ever taken the time to to learn how to ride an internal combustion engine motorcycle probably because of intimidation uh, of of the way that that kind of a beast looks and feels so in a sense it's a kind of a return back to the age the the 1960s era when honda coined the phrase you meet the nicest people on a honda so this would be kind of a twist of you meet the nicest people on a curtis and as we grow the company, of course, we'll come, we'll offer unique products from the Curtis One that we, we have a product called the Hercules by Curtis, the H1, and it comes in at a little lower price point. Uh, it'll come out in 23, 2023. So we'll be coming out with new motorcycles to offer them to more people as time progresses. Mr. Curtis had a secondary brand called uh, Marvel and, uh, we are likely going to come out with a Marvel uh, electric motorcycle in 2025 that would be more of a bike that, that possibly could reach pretty much everybody. So we believe in electrification for the motorcycle. We strongly believe in motorcycling and as with bicycling because it is a terrifyingly free experience when you're on your, your motorcycle like nothing else. And it is pivotal for the future of 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 that form of of uh, of radical freedom. We feel so, uh, and the bikes are so much fun to ride. I mean, I've ridden every cool. I mean, I've ridden a lot of cool motorcycles, and this is way better. It's a whole new. It's it's a uh, offers up a whole new set of of possibilities in terms of, of what it feels like to be on your bike. It's just you're way more engaged without the noise and without the shifting. It just gives you more focus. Is Curtis the, the Tesla of motorcycles? I feel like I'm talking to a really nice, sane version of Elon Musk here. Oh, well, Elon Musk is a great <laughs> genius and we're, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're way down the level from where, where Elon is. However, uh, 
where where I, th I think he I think he's going to build the, the 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 machines of the future for people to be transported in. Our our vision is more of a romantic, uh, more of an emotional vision. I, I, I have always had this kind of Santa Claus fantasy that that to make the ultimate toy for for a ripened person, a mature person, with is like an incredible dream. And I and so at the, the the motorcycle will never likely for our customer base be uh, something he needs. It will be something he yearns for. Maybe for a lot of people, it will just be something in their psyche that one day I will get that. It will be, but it but the goal is by highest level, highest level of craftsmanship and design, but also to appeal to the highest level of humanity to to help all of humanity to, to look at everything that's positive and, and, to, and to push back against the negativity. So uh, riding a motorcycle sometimes can be very, very helpful for, for cleansing and clarifying. Especially if you have a, a safe place to ride it. And I know, Dustin, that's, that's an issue with bicycles, as you alluded to a few minutes ago, especially in a place like Baton Rouge. Maybe it's better in, in California where your target market is, Matt. But Dustin, what, I mean, what kind of, what do you see being done to make our streets more friendly to alternative types of transportation besides the almighty car? Well, here in Mid-City, we love the road diet that's getting us some bike lanes. It's slowing us down a little bit, being able to let the businesses here uh, have a great chance to get walking traffic and cycling traffic. And we see those efforts kind of being grown um, in the public office to include more bike lanes and, and more areas that are, are great for being walkable and bikeable. Um, but this is the greatest change that has happened due to COVID. And I think people are, might be a little bit surprised by this cycling, walking, all of those things don't start with infrastructure. They start with culture. They start with an idea that I can walk across the street and go to the grocery store, or I could actually just hop on my bike and, and go downtown, or I go to the movies or any of these great outdoor markets that happen in our city. So if we culturally get into that concept and idea and, and belief system that I can go from A to B safely, then we do it more often and more people in cars say, that's not just a cyclist, that's my neighbor, that's my friend. Oh, that's the, that's the kid who lives down the street, I know him. Let me slow down and look out for that person. We humanize each other in a bigger way. And I have a sister who lives in Calcutta, India. They don't have infrastructure in Calcutta, India. They don't have the lines and the lanes nearly to the degree that we do, but they travel on so many different diversities of transportation because it's a culture and idea that they live by. So I think for us, what's great about the pandemic is it's making a cultural shift in this city to care about the cyclist, the pedestrian in a different way than we did before. Because it's not a cars versus bikes mentality. It's a all of us want to get outside together. All of us are seeing that, hey, we can slow down and, yeah. and care about each other a little bit more. Well, I wish I could slow the clock down and, and spend an hour talking to y'all because you both have such great stories, such wonderful businesses, ventures, nonprofits. Dustin LaFont and Matt Chambers, you're both inspiring success stories of ingenuity and creativity, helping people get in shape, creating opportunities for young people, and doing great things for the environment in the process. Thank you both so much for sharing your insights with us today and for taking time to join me on Out to Lunch. Thank you very much. Yes, goodbye. Thank Enjoy you so it. much. We appreciate it. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Dustin LaFont of Front Yard Bikes and Mid-City Bikes, 
and Matt Chambers of Curtis Motorcycles. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Front Yard Bikes and Curtis Motorcycles by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsbatonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. We're going to go back to hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table at Mansters on the Boulevard soon. In the meantime, you can go there. Mansers is open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 